Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, good morning, good morning. How are you guys feeling out there? You feeling alive? Alive in the 325? I love it. Hey, uh, we just want to say thank you so much for coming to church. It is such an honor, thrill, privilege um, to get to worship God with you uh, this morning. Um, We say it all the time around here at Celebration Church, actually every single week. uh, We don't miss an opportunity to acknowledge that there are so many amazing churches in our community. We are really blessed that there are so many amazing churches on different street corners that you could be at this morning worshiping God. And so we don't take it lightly. We don't take it for granted. Um, that you are here worshiping with us, getting to know God better and endeavoring to trust him a little bit more um, today. And so we truly believe and pray that uh, today's service, today's message, the whole experience um, is really just gonna bless you. We do believe that. And we believe that when you come to God with an open heart, that when you come to God saying, Lord, I don't necessarily know what I need from you today, but I know I need it. Would you dare to drop it down into my soul? Would you dare to drop it into my spirit? I promise he is faithful every time to fulfill that and leave you, leave you walking out of this place better than you came. I thank you for the clap. I appreciate that. And so, um, but I do believe that God's gonna, God's gonna build you up uh, this morning. And so uh, if you don't know me, um, my name's Keenan Clark. I'm the young adult, the college pastor here at Celebration Church. And also whenever we're not a, a global pandemic, I get to do some traveling and preaching here and there. Um, but man, uh, this is home. And so there's no place better to preach than at home. And so I'm excited. I hope you're gonna get involved with me this morning. If you hear something you like, I dare you just to holler at me. You can say, preach it. You can say, come on with it. You can say, say it, white boy. I don't know what you want to say, but you can, uh, you can say it. You're not going to offend me. I will enjoy it. And so just dare to get, dare to get verbally involved. So um, if you're new, we are in a sermon series as a church that we are simply calling the classics. And what this series is doing is we are endeavoring to go back into the Old Testament and look at some of the stories of old and see just how relevant they still are today for our lives in 2020. I don't know about you, but I can find myself camping out in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because I can simply pronounce them, okay? And the truth is, is that there are so much gold, even around the stories we feel so distant from, so separated from. There's so many things uh, that God wants to deposit in your life through uh, the lives that he's, he's touched in the Old Testament. And so we've been launching um, from this passage every single week, and it's found in the book of Hebrews. So if you have a Bible um, or if you have a neck, you can turn your neck that direction, and we're gonna go over to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse one is our launching point. The writer of Hebrews says this, says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, this is what this entire series is about. We are going back into that cloud of witnesses and seeing the encouragement that we can draw from their stories. It says, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. There's a race that God's called us to run. There's a life God's called us to live and we can find encouragement. We can find even a second wind from this great cloud of witnesses that we're looking at. I'd like you to also turn over to Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs chapter four, we're gonna look at verse 23 and this is gonna be a real big piece for what we're gonna be talking about today. Proverbs 4, 23 says this, above all else, it's pretty emphatic language. 
that's drawing some importance to what he is about to say. Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart, for from it flows everything you do. For everything you do will flow from it. This morning, um, I know we're in the classics and we're gonna be talking about a, a young guy by the name of Isaac, but I have a title for my message. I just like titling messages. I think it makes it a little sticky and it gives me a little chance to be extra creative. And um, the title of my message this morning is Can You Dig It? Can You Dig It? And I believe that'll make some sense as we begin to allow this message to unfold. Can we pray real quick? Just allow God to make some space in our mind, some margin in our soul that we can hear him today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that you are here this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are gonna move. Lord, this isn't just another Monday moment. This isn't just another ritualistic meeting where we can come and kind of check something off our list, trying to give ourselves some sanity. It's healthy to go to church. Lord, no, we, we need you. We don't need church. We need you. And Lord, I pray that this morning we would find you in these four walls, that we'd find you, we'd experience you in the next couple moments. Lord, I thank you that you'd make these next couple moments actually matter for the grand scheme of our lives. Lord, help us to see Jesus this morning because we know that when we come back to the simplicity of Jesus, everything becomes clear. And everybody said, amen, amen. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, just get the ball rolling. Gotta be, some, gotta be honest in the house of God. Um, there are a lot of things I love. First and foremost, um, I love Jesus Christ, okay? I gotta say that. I love my Lord and Savior, number one on the menu, number one in my heart, okay? I love Jesus. Jesus, okay? Secondly, I love a little brown-haired, blue-eyed girl from Indiana, okay? Her name is Elizabeth right now. Her current last name is Williams. In a matter of weeks, that's gonna change, okay? <laughs> Your boy's getting married, okay? It's gonna be good. August 8th is going down for real, okay? And so... I'm excited, love my fiance, she's amazing. Um, and so if you're watching, babe, I love you. Thank you for shouting me down in Indiana. But um, I love her. But I, one of the other things I love, it's an inanimate object, okay? But it does, it may not have a pulse, but it quickens my pulse. And that is, I love, love coffee. I love me some coffee, okay? I, I cannot go a day without drinking coffee. It's, it's for real. I'm already on my third cup this morning. Like, I have a problem. Just stick it in the, stick it in the vein, you know what I mean? Like, give it to me. I love coffee, but as, as much as I love coffee, I love coffee mugs. Mugs are important. I was talking with Beth. We were at Target, um, God's gift to women, okay? God's pain to men in our wallet, and uh, we were at Target, and we were looking at some mugs and I was like, babe, for me, the mug is just as important as the coffee that goes in it. Like the mug can make or break the experience to me. When I go up to get my first cup of coffee in the morning, I try to be spirit led on which, cup, on which mug I grab, okay? Because it can make or break the experience for me. I need to hear God on this level, okay? And so I love, I love mugs, okay? And so consequently, I've collected mugs since I was in high school and I've collected quite a few of them traveling around, traveling around the country and um, a lot of them have made their way up here to the church. And so what my Monday morning looks like, I'll roll up in here to the church, I walk into the office, I say, what's up to Steve Whitaker, okay? And uh, I grab a mug, one of my mini mugs, and I throw them into the Keurig and I pop a K-cup and I start my day with a fresh cup of coffee. I'm walking around the building, seeing what I can work on. And eventually I come across a project that I cannot do one-handed, okay? So what inevitably happens is I have to find a flat surface, any flat surface will do, and I will set my coffee cup down in order to work on my project, right? But the problem is this, and you can ask anyone on staff, okay, I have developed a real issue, okay? God's dealing with me. Because 
a lot of the times I end up leaving my mug wherever I left it. Wherever I set it down, they have found my mugs in very peculiar places, okay? Weston, I think, even has a highlight that he's been keeping track of all the weird spots that he, he finds my mugs around here at the church. I leave my mug where I left it. Here's the problem. Two weeks later, I will happen upon that original mug right where I left it. I couldn't find it. Now I'll happen upon it. And I have to tell you, the last time me and this mug had an interaction, it was giving me life, okay? It was fueling me, okay? There was an aroma, praise the Lord, okay? It was awesome. Now there is not an aroma, there's an odor. There's an odor. Two weeks later, there's an odor, okay? Now instead of just brown coffee down inside of there, you know, liquid gold, okay? I look down in there and there are greens, there are yellows, there's white floating around inside of this mug. All of a sudden, over that two weeks, what, what was so life-giving in a moment has become detrimental to me now. Something that was once giving me life, now all of a sudden, if I try to take it in, it's not gonna produce anything good in me simply due to the fact I've neglected it. I've neglected it. And I'm here to tell you this morning, that's not just true of my coffee mugs. Actually, that's even more true of your heart. The same is true of your heart. A lot of the times we just think we can just put this thing in park. We can just kind of park it for a second. And one of the things my dad told me when I was a young man, he said, Kenan, life is a current. You are either intentionally walking somewhere or life is tragically taking you somewhere. But there is no stagnicity in life. People love to say, I'm a stagnant Christian. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. There's no such thing in just going and park. There's no such thing in just kind of chilling and waiting in the pool. No, you are either moving forward or life is tragically whisking you away to a place you do not want to go. I'm telling you, if we do not regularly come back and take inventory of our heart, take inventory of our, here we go, soul. That word soul, what that means, it's your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now I'm gonna squash this real quick. There is a difference between your soul and your spirit. A lot of you, you could think, I'm talking about your spirit, like we're talking about your salvation. Your salvation's gonna go away if you don't come, constantly come back and, and repent and do all your little ritualistic things and, and get right with God every day. That's not what we're talking about. Once you, put, once you put your faith in Jesus, you are heaven ready there on out. It's done. I'm talking about your soul, your mind, your will, what you wanna do, and your emotions. For many of us, those things that make our choices for us. Your emotions. If we don't come back to that place and say, God, I need you in this place. God, I need you to fill this void. God, I need you to call the shots for my mind, my will, my emotions. God, I need you. I need to make my emotions subservient to you. We don't regularly come back to that place. I'm telling you, all of a sudden, our hearts, our, our soul will begin to drift to a place that once was so life-giving and now, huh, things have begun to grow. Things that God doesn't want growing in your life can begin to bud forth. You see, the problem with my mug is I set it down and what happened was all of a sudden all of the toxins, all of the germs, all the imperfections that were in the air began to settle down in my mug. They began to settle. What was in the air got inside my mug and began to cause chaos. I'm here to tell you, I find it ironic that Ephesians chapter two, verse two, refers to the devil as the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of the power of the air. What does that mean? The enemy is constantly speaking things into the air that if you were to dare to let them settle down in your soul, if you were to let them settle in your heart, they would begin to grow things and take you down a road God has not called you to go. I'm telling you, God has not called you to go that route. And if we will come back daily, if we'll come back before God and say, God, I need your help. 
God, there's a new thing. There's a new thing trying to settle in me. There's a new thing trying to well up with inside of me. There's a new thing that somebody's spoken over me. God, I need you. I need you to fill it. I need you to clean it. I need you to come in and be what you, you are, and that's you're enough. I need you to fill this place. You know, I love this. John chapter seven, verse 38, Jesus says this. He says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Anyone who wants a drink can come and drink. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, you are going to take something in. Take me in. Something's gonna settle in your soul. It's going to happen. It has to be filled. Every void will find its filler. I'm just asking you to let me fill it. Let me fill it. Daily invite me in. Daily drink me in. Daily drink the gospel in. Daily drink my enoughness in. Daily drink my sufficiency in. Daily drink me in. And watch as I begin to allow rivers of living water to flow from your heart. What you take in changes what comes out. What we take in, what we constantly meditate on, what we constantly perceive and think about, we've got to be mindful of what our mind is full of. You've got to be mindful about what your mind is full of because it literally, everything that happens in your heart begins to dictate and call the shots for your life. We've got to invite God in. And so this morning, if we are going to deal with and then guard our heart, because that is the order of things that have to take place. You realize before you can guard your heart, you've got to deal with your heart. Before you can, why would you puppy dog guard something that's, that, that's toxic? We've got to first deal with the toxic stuff. And then once God gets us where he needs us, then we can learn to guard it. We can allow him to call the shots and we can be, be on defense like we're supposed to be. And if we are going to learn to deal with and then guard our hearts, we're gonna to have to let the scriptures show us how to do it. And this morning, I want us to go back in the Old Testament. We're in this classic series and I want us to look at a particular moment, one verse in the Old Testament and it's found in Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26, we're gonna to go to verse 18. We're gonna look at this particular moment and I believe it's gonna help you deal with and guard your heart. It says this, Genesis 26, 18. It says, and Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. So all of a sudden we see this guy his name's Isaac. He's a pretty big deal. Okay, his birth is pretty miraculous. You should check him out. Okay, and he comes across this well and things are not well with the well. Now you might be saying, what's the big deal with a well, dude? Okay, we're 2020. If I want water, I just go to the faucet. Or maybe here we're in West Texas. You don't go to the faucet, you go to the RO. Okay, you go to your Ozarka water bottle. I don't know what you do. Okay, but you just, water is readily available. But you have to understand in Bible times, a well was a family's life source. If you did not have a well, things were not gonna go well with your family. Literally, you was, a well was a place you'd come to every day and find the sustenance that you needed in order to pr push on and go another day. Ultimately, it watered your livestock too. So if all of a sudden things were to go wrong with your well, not only would you not have water, but you wouldn't even be able to make a living. A well was an integral part of a family and community. It was so important. But the other thing is this, um, they didn't have John Deere. They didn't have a backhoe. They didn't even have modern shovels, okay? So a well was hard to dig. It took a person daring to get down in the dirt and simply remove the extra material, simply daring to move and do the hard work of finally getting down to that life source. But here's the cool part. Once that person had done the hard work of getting to that life source, all of a sudden generations could come back 
and drink from that well. It wouldn't just water their family and then all of a sudden the next generation had to make their own well. No, generations could come back to that original well and find water. I'll prove it to you. Jesus in John chapter four is having an interaction with a woman. The story's called Jesus and the woman at the well. Many of you know the story. And in the story, the woman reveals to us what well they're at. She says, this is Jacob's well. And if you look it up, you can find that that dates that well at that moment at 1,500 years old. That well is 1,500 years old in that moment. Literally, Jesus is able to change a woman's life because Jacob 1,500 years ago made a way for them to meet. Oh my gosh, I'm telling you this morning, if you would dare to let God dig in your life, you have no idea what generations could come and drink from what God does in you. You have no idea the legacy, the longevity, the faith, the mountains that will be moved if you were to dare to let God dig in your little life. God can do a lot with a little bit. We learned about Gideon last week. His weakness was turned to strength. I'm, I dare you if you would just simply say, God, would you dig? God, would you dig? Would you deal with something deep here? Would you make a well? I wanna be something that can help. I wanna push the kingdom forward. I wanna be something that my, my children can come and drink from. I don't want them to have to go to God because of me. I want them to go to God through me. I want them to experience what, what I've experienced. Mom, dad, I, I don't, don't let your foot off the gas of praying for your kids. That well's being dug. You're digging every single prayer. You are digging. You are digging. I'm telling you, you're about to hit the water. Don't give up. And generations are gonna come and drink from what you've allowed God to do. Ultimately, that's what this entire series is about. We're going back into the classics. We are looking at people who allowed God to dig in their lives and we are drinking from what God had done. We're able to go back and look at Obed-Edom and Gideon and David and all these mighty men of God and we're able to go back into their lives and drink still today because they dared to let God dig in their day. They dared to let God dig in their day. I'm here to challenge you this morning. Dare to let God dig. Dare to let God dig in your life. You have no idea what generations from now will be blessed through you. So all of a sudden, Isaac comes up to this well and it's stopped up. All of a sudden it's not working. It's out of order, right? Not only has this well not lasted generations, it hasn't lasted a generation. This well's not even a hundred years old. And so Isaac comes to it and he has to actually make a decision. Am I gonna slough this off and just act like it's nothing or am I actually going to be honest about where this well is at? And the first thing I need you to understand when it comes to dealing with and guarding your heart, this well represents your heart, is you've got to first be honest about where you are. We've got to first be honest about where you are. I'm here to tell you this morning, listen to me, this is important. God cannot change what you are unwilling to confront. God cannot heal what you refuse to reveal. God can't restore what you continue to ignore. As long as you are unwilling to admit this is where I'm at, God can't meet you there. You won't let him in. You'll keep faking it and saying you're over there and God can't bring you from over there because you're still right here. Until we get honest about where we are, God, he's gonna have a hard time pulling us out. You know, um, this, this, this passage isn't in your notes and the reason it's not in your notes is because I submitted them and then God kept talking to me, okay? It happens. And uh, we find in Genesis chapter three, all of a sudden what happens is the fall happens. Adam and Eve, they take the forbidden fruit. All of a sudden their eyes are opened to the dual realities, good and evil, right? And so all of a sudden their eyes are opened to their naked form. So what do they do? They run and they hide out of shame. They hide out of shame. And all of a sudden we see in Genesis chapter three, verse nine, God comes perusing into the garden, looking for Adam. And he asks this question in, in verse nine. He says, Adam, um, where are you? 
Adam, where, 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 where are you? Now we have to ask ourselves this morning, is God seriously oblivious to where Adam is? Like, has Adam really pulled a fast one over on God? Has he found the best hide and go seek spot in the garden? Like, seriously? Did God really not know where Adam was? No, 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 you need to understand this. God needed Adam to admit where he was. You cannot move, move forward from somewhere. You were unwilling to admit you actually are. And when Adam finally spoke out and began to say some things, all of a sudden, creation that was once fallen got on the path to restoration. We see that's the very moment all of a sudden Jesus was made away. All of a sudden things began to click all, on all cylinders towards making a way for Jesus. I'm telling you, the first step towards getting to where you need to be is recognizing you're not there. Recognizing you're not there. And maybe this morning your thing, the reason you hide isn't out of shame. Maybe you're hiding out of pride. You're hiding out of pride. You can't admit that your things are not well with you because everything needs to be well with you all the time. You gotta be on. I've been there. Couldn't admit that I was struggling. Couldn't admit that I needed help. Couldn't admit that I needed to talk because I gotta be on for everybody else. It reminds me of a Kendrick Lamar line. I, everybody needs me to pray for them, but who's gonna pray for me? Can't admit that I actually need prayer. Can't admit that I actually need some ministry. Can't admit that I actually need God because I'm too busy giving God to everybody else. It's out of, it's out of pride. Puppy dog guarding these places and hiding them. And Jesus speaks to this in Matthew chapter seven, verse three. He says this, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? Why would you worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a redwood protruding from your face? He's literally saying, why are we going around pointing out all the other minute issues that we know about in our friends because we are skirting the issue of the major stuff we haven't yet to deal with? God's saying, I'm not, I didn't come to your house to talk about them. I came to your house to talk about you. I came to your house to discuss you. If I'm here, it's because I wanna heal. If I'm here, it's because I wanna restore, but I can't heal what you won't reveal. Come on, let's talk about this. Let's deal with this. We've got to be honest about where we are. And once you're honest about where you are, the next thing you've got to do is you've got to recognize what the problem really is. What the problem really is. I put that word really in there on purpose because a lot of us, we're good at just self-diagnosing. Here's my issue. It's because I cuss. It's because I look at this on the internet. It's because I let my mind wander. No, 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 no. That's, that's the symptom. I'm talking about the disease. What's really the issue? That's our problem in the church. So many of us are so good at pointing out the symptoms and letting the disease stay healthy, letting the disease run rampant. We wanna talk about why do they cuss? Why do they do this? Why do they go there? Why, why, why? Instead of actually getting to the heart of the matter. We're not into behavior modification. We're here for soul transformation. That's what Jesus does. He's not interested in just fixing your behavior. No, he wants to fix your heart and watch as everything else begins to flow from it. Everything you do flows from that heart, that heart place. We gotta recognize what's really the problem. You see, Isaac walked up to this well and he didn't simply look at the well and go, oh, well, just move along. No, he did, he did some investigating and it would have been easy for him to go, you know what, I guess this well dried up of natural causes. I guess God doesn't want this well to produce anything. God, have your way. No, all of a sudden he began to investigate and saw, no, this isn't God's will. This was an attack. You know, so many of us, we come up to little doors in our life and if it seems shut, we go, I guess God doesn't want me to walk there. Instead of realizing that the enemy has slammed his foot in the door and knows that your destiny is on the other side and God's saying, I've given you the authority, kick it down, move in, take the ground. I've gone before you, trust that I'm enough. 
All of a sudden, we end up living this cowardice life. We end up living this apathetic life when God's called us to take victory. I'm gonna see a victory. Just like we sang this morning, we begin to, when we begin to actually see what's really the problem, we can form. We can form thoughts, we can form prayers, we can form strategies to actually begin to move into what God's called us to. You see, what had happened was the enemy came by that well after Abraham died and stealthily, daily, dropped dirt down in that well. Handful at a time, here, there, until finally it seemed to be clogged. Seemed to be no water there. The problem was it was just covered up. It was, it, it was camouflaged, it was a mirage. Seemed to be over, seemed to be done. And see, that's the problem for many of us. We come into church on Sunday and we get so filled. We're like, woo, this feels great. Let's take it on. And all of a sudden Wednesday hits and we're like, oh my God. Where are you at? Jesus. Okay, like what's going on here? It's because Monday the enemy came by your well and dropped a little bit of dirt. Tuesday the enemy walked by your well and dropped a little bit of dirt. And you didn't recognize him. All of a sudden Wednesday comes by and the enemy drops a little bit of dirt. Oh, don't mind me stealthily dropping a little bit of dirt, a little bit of dirt. And the problem is we don't recognize it, so therefore we can't deal with it. We've got to recognize what's really the problem. I'm telling you, when we recognize what's really going on, all of a sudden our eyes are open. We're saying, I'm not letting this thing stick. I'm not letting you stick around. You can't drop that here. This is closed to you, sir. No, no, no. I'm not going to let this stick. You see, I'm talking about your Monday through Wednesday. And what I'm saying is you need to be mindful of what you're listening to. And I'm not just talking about the voices in your head. I'm talking about the voices in your head phones. The voices in your headphones, the media that you take in. Can we go there? <laughs> I should have worn my steel toe boots. Go, the, the media that we take in, the music that we listen to, the entertainment that we indulge in. I'm telling you, the Bible refers to your eyes and ears as gates. They're doors. Where do they lead to? Your heart. What comes in your eyes, what comes in your ears, it eventually settles down in your soul and it begins to fester. You think that media isn't actually making you a little more biased towards the enemy's agenda? You think all that stuff isn't really doing anything? Oh my gosh, it is doing more than you think. We've gotta be mindful saying, God, if, if my heart's so important, I need to be aware of what's getting down in there. We gotta be mindful of these things. Matthew chapter six, verse 22 says this. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus is saying, what goes into your eye, what goes into your ear matters. It matters. What makes its way down in your heart matters. And I'm not talking about being legalistic. This is not legalism. This is not, I can't listen to that because it's, it, it's not what God wants. No, it's not what God wants because it's not gonna produce life. I'm talking about being spirit-led. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about getting brownie points with the big man upstairs. No, Jesus gave up all the brownie points and came downstairs so that we could find him and love him and lead us and he could lead us into the life he's called us to live. This is not about brownie points. This is about walking with Jesus. This is about having the life that God's called us to live. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. And here's where I'm coming for you. We've gotten used to living off dirty water. That's our problem. We don't even notice it anymore. We don't even notice something's wrong. Life's been this way. Our Christianity seems powerless. Our relationship with God seems unfruitful. And this is the norm. This, this is normal. It's normal to struggle with that the rest of your life. It's normal to be a Christian and completely crippled by anxiety. 
I'm not saying that you're not a Christian if you're crippled by anxiety, but I'm here to tell you there is a higher power. There's a greater word spoken over you. And a lot of us, we get apathetic. We think this is just normal. I'm always gonna have the porn problem. Don't let me know I'm talking to you. I'm always gonna have this issue. I'm always gonna have this hang up. We get used to living off dirty water and God's saying, no, there's better. There's better. There's something greater. And if you'll let me into that place, I'll work. I'll work, I'll dig, I'll do the heavy lifting. It's not on your shoulders, but you've got to let me in. You've got to let me in. We've gotten used to living off dirty water. You see, here's the thing. The, 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 the most stealth dirt the enemy will try to fill you up with is you. You. Try to fill you up with you. You see, we see in the creation account that God all of a sudden goes to make man. And what does he stoop down into to make him with? The dirt. God makes man out of the dirt. The dirt the enemy wants to fill you up with is you. Daily, the enemy will drop by your well and just sprinkle a little more you in the mix. Sprinkle a little bit more you until you are so full of you that you can't be full of God. You can't be full of life. You can't be full of peace. You can't be full of, of blessing and the prosperity that Jesus has called you to live in. Sprinkle a little bit of you down in your well and you begin to contaminate yourself. See what being full of you and trying to be full of Jesus at the same time looks like, it looks like it's Jesus and my performance. It's Jesus and my good deeds. It's Jesus and my church attendance. It's Jesus and my Bible reading. Until you know it, you're so fixated on all the ands, 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 ands that you've taken your eyes off the main thing, which is Jesus. I'm here to tell you, Jesus and doesn't work. Jesus is 100% proof. That's why if you wanna run this race with endurance, we've gotta do it looking to Jesus. As we read in Hebrews chapter one, We've got to, or Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, we got to come back to Jesus. We've got to look to Jesus. What I'm saying is we've got to come back to the simplicity of our faith. That it's Jesus and Jesus alone that makes us right. It's Jesus and Jesus alone that cleans us up. It's Jesus and Jesus alone that sustains us. What we've gotten used to is a mixture. You know, that's what religion is. It's why religion doesn't work. It's a mixture. It's Jesus and you. Jesus and your performance. We've got to come back to just Jesus, because I'm here to tell you, Jesus is enough. He's enough in and of himself. He is enough. I love this passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says this, by his divine power, he has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Who's the he? It's, it's, it's Jesus, in case you didn't notice. It's Jesus. By his divine power, he has granted to us all things. I remember when I was in Bible school, I had a professor that said, when you see the word all in scripture, you need to know it means this. All means all. And that's all all means. All means all. If the Bible says he's given you all things, it's not 99.99%. It's all. All things needed pertaining to life and godliness have been given to us in the person of Jesus Christ. The problem is we begin to add to the mixture. We begin to convolute. We begin to water down the living water. We wonder why things don't seem to be working. We wonder why our life's apathetic. We've got to come back to just Jesus. He's enough. So this morning, if you've already been able at the, at the point to be honest about where you are, and secondly, you've recognized what's really the problem, the next thing is obviously, well, what do we do from here? What do we do? What do I do with this? Now I just feel bad. <laughs> I've been honest. I've recognized the problem. But how do I move forward? And the, the, the first thing you've got to do in order to move forward is you've got to, listen, decide to dig daily. You've got to decide to dig daily. Now, I told you the name of my message is, is can you dig it? Now, it would have been easy for you to extrapolate that 
sentence or that question upon yourself. Like I'm asking you, can, can you dig it? Can you dig it out of you? The answer is no. If you could have, you would have. You've had decades of trying. If you could have, you would have by now. The, the, I'm not asking you the question. What I'm doing is giving you a prayer to pray every day. This is a prayer. See, we wake up and we go about our day and all of a sudden an offense comes and we go, God, can you dig it? God, can you dig it out? I don't have time for a root of bitterness. I don't have time to live apathetic. I don't have time for unforgiveness. God, the fear is coming back. Can you dig it? God, the lust is coming back. Can you dig it? God, I feel the pride welling up. God, I feel the bigotry welling up. God, I feel the racism welling up. Can you dig it? God, I feel the religion trying to seep back into me and me work my way back to you. God, can you dig it out of me? I come before your throne of grace so I may find mercy and obtain grace in my time of need. God, I need you this morning. Can you dig it? This is not upon us. It's about us simply coming back in a posture of prayer to God saying, God, if it ain't you, it's not gonna work. If you don't move, it's not gonna happen. God, can you dig it? I'm telling you who be faithful every time to come into that moment and begin to dig that stuff out of you and you'll hit the water. You'll find the living water again. All of a sudden, those things that are trying to take root in you, they're not gonna find a home. You've gotta decide to dig Daily, I love this, Matthew chapter six, verse 11. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And he includes this in it. He says, when you pray, pray like this. And he, he uses this sentence in verse 11. He says, give us this day our daily bread. He doesn't tell him, hey, go to God and say, God, give me bread the rest of my life. See ya. No, he says, when you talk to God, talk about right now. Talk about your needs right now. Ask him to show up now. I promise you he will. Give us this day. God, give, dig out this day's dirt. I'm here to tell you there will be dirt daily. You are never gonna have another day in your life where dirt doesn't try to eke in your heart. Where the question lies is, will you let it sit? Will you let it sit or will you say, God, can you dig it out? It's an invitation to allow God to do the miraculous. It's an invitation to allow God to do the spectacular. It's an invitation to allow God's grace to be enough once again. God, can you, can you dig it? And lastly, once you decide to dig daily, the, the, the fourth and final thing we've got to do is we've got to call it what God calls it. We've got to call it what God calls it. You see this in Genesis 26, we saw Isaac came up to the well and he redug it. But then it says this at the end, it says, and he gave them the names that his father had given them. He gave them the names that his father had given them. He says, you know what? Abraham named this well, this was years ago. The name could have been outdated. The name might not have been up with pop culture. The name might not have been trendy, but Isaac had a reverence for what Abraham had done. He knew that, that I, I didn't do this. I didn't produce this. I didn't find this. I didn't create this. This isn't my thing. I'm gonna call it what the creator has called it. I'm gonna call it what my father has called it. You've gotta to get to a place in your life when all of a sudden God begins to clean you up and people begin to ask, you can't water down the answer. We can't say, oh, I've just, you know, I've done a few things. I've kind of, you know, cleaned my life up a little bit. Try to, try to make it sound like self-help. When it's the gospel, we do people a disservice when we call it something other than what God calls it. It's the power of God. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. I'm not going to change it because pop culture doesn't like it. My pop calls it that, so I'm calling it that. If he calls me free, I'm free. If he calls me a son, I'm a son no matter how I act. If he calls me his, I'm his. We've got to call it what God calls it. You've got to call your life what God calls it. And he says that in him, it's enough. You have all you need for life and godliness in the person of Jesus. We've got to call things what God calls them. And this morning, maybe the first thing that you need to call 
what God calls it, is you need to call yourself what God calls you. And God calls you his child. God calls you his. And this morning, maybe the first step in the right direction is simply agreeing with that and saying, God, you know what? I am. I am your kid. And I thank you that if I'm your kid, then that means you're my provider. You're my healer. You're my deliverer. You're the shelter over my life. And this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, just out of a moment of privacy and concentration, if that's you this morning, you're ready to say yes to the free gift of God. You're ready to say yes to the free gift of grace and love that only Jesus offers. Then I just, when I count to three, I just like to, you to shoot your hand up out of, out of a sign of surrender and faith. One, God loves you. Come on, two, you are not gonna regret this ever in your life. Three, come on, if that's you right now, I want you to stick your hand up. I'm gonna let God's gonna start digging. Yes, 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 yes. Hands going up. Yes, 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 yes. Hands going up. Yes, yes. Hands going up all over this. Praise, praise God, praise God. You can put it up and put it right back down or you can hold it up however you like. I'm gonna lend you some words and you're gonna repeat after me. And this is gonna be for some of you, this may be your very first prayer. This may be your very first conversation with the Lord you have, and we're gonna get to have it together. How beautiful is that? Would you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are enough. God, I thank you that you've met me in my low place. And I thank you that you will be diligent to dig out what I can't get out. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace sustain me and I thank you that you go before me it's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray amen amen come on can we put our hands together for those who just did that for the first time come on praise God thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church we hope you'll stay connected by following us online you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter